Wednesday, January 12th, episode 152 of the Hezzy. This is brought to you by basketballgods.net. Let's start Monday night with the Bucks and Hornets. They actually played a baseball series back-to-back over the weekend, or finishing it off on Monday, right? And uh, for whatever reason, man, the Hornets kind of have the Bucks number. They've got these kind of switchable, like-size athletes. Their backcourt pushes the ball. I'm watching Scary Terry out there. He really doesn't get the props that he deserves for how nasty his handle and footwork are. To me, I'll put him top five right now if we're talking sauce. Scary Terry and LaMelo, you want to talk about a saucy backcourt style points? They might be the best backcourt in the league. If you're just watching for like, you know, moves, footwork, flashiness. Now you got to win and they've kind of righted the ship of late winning, what, six of eight games. So... But yeah, man, Terry, like his ability, you know who he kind of reminds me of is Le'Veon Bell. Remember Le'Veon Bell for the Steelers in his prime, how he would just stop and go so suddenly? I imagine Scary Terry was just tremendous at red light, green light as a kid, that type of shit. And then there's also a velocity and a pop to everything he does, right? Because most guys that change pace well, stop and go like that, they're usually not that explosive. And that's kind of why they've developed that change of pace game. But Terry, as explosive as they come, yeah, man, he's a fun watch. So Charlotte controlled most of the game. And then Milwaukee got going in the fourth quarter. Middleton takes over down the stretch. Giannis gets to the line. There's like a sequence where they get a four-point play and it's a tie game. And then Mello, with what essentially was the game winner, a clutch runner drifting to his left. Not the shot you necessarily want, but Mello, he has that funky game, right? Like for Mello, I don't think it's as bad of a shot as it looked for the normal guy. A normal player, you're like, mm, that's a tough shot. Mello, I think he likes that stuff. He's got a lot of weird floaters and drifters and that would end up being the game winner because Giannis, he comes back down the court trying to do what he does. And once they built the wall, he kicks it out to the corner and it goes over Connington's head. And you watch it live, you're like, damn, Giannis, I was just an out of control pass. But if you go back and you look, Connington was kind of just standing and watching. He wasn't at the three-point line. He was a couple steps in on the baseline and he's kind of like backpedaling and drifting back out to the three-point line. And that's really why he wasn't able to make a play on that. The pass wasn't that accurate, but Connington would have been able to get it if he was standing in the right spot. So kind of 50-50 on both of them. But, you know, I'm looking at Melo in his game. I think the route for Melo to truly become a superstar and a franchise player is through defense. Because I don't think he's going to ever be an elite scorer. I know he, he has a, a confidence and he has a, a unique style and he can score. He can give you 30 on a given night, but I don't think he's going to ever be like that dominant of a, of a bucket, right? He, he's a versatile player. And so for him to maximize his potential and again, be a true franchise player, he's got to be a plus defender to go along with what he brings on the offensive side of the ball. And I was watching him on Middleton late, albeit look, Middleton got going, but I think he can. You look at his anticipation, his length, and his fuel for the game, quick hands, right? I think that if he can focus in on that, again, that's going to be the path to LaMelo fulfilling his destiny as as the true star of the ball family. But, you know, looking at Milwaukee, they might be the ugliest team in the league. Giannis is a handsome dude, but you've got Middleton and Portis who are absolutely elite. 
Drew, Drew's a spooky looking brother, right? And now you're bringing Rodney Hood off the bench. You've got a ginger and DiVincenzo who's back in the lineup now. And then you top it off with Bud. I've, I've made my case. It, someone make a case for an uglier team. All right, all right, all right, Alc, man. You just, you just being mean now. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. It looks like uh, Milwaukee, we talk about these, these style matchups and it's far too early to start positioning where you want to be in the playoffs. But my guess would be Milwaukee probably doesn't want to catch this young Hornets team in a playoff series given the regular season matchups and how they've played out. Utah has slid lately. The Warriors just pulled their whole card about a week ago. Nah, what's happened is Rudy Gobert went into COVID protocol for the second time officially, right? And, uh, you know, they're the, without Rudy, they look like maybe a play-in team. And that's not an insult. I mean, if you understand, the team is constructed around Rudy Gobert. Donovan may be the marquee, but all the pieces around him and all these offensive guys that can't defend are there because Rudy can clean that up on the backside, right? And so without him there, they're really just not the same team at all. And they got beat down by Detroit Monday night. Sadiq Bey went off. Sadiq Bey is giving me Jay Crowder vibes. He's either hot or cold. There's no in-between, right? And he can swing games for his team. Well, I guess, I guess you know, Detroit, he ain't swinging much for Detroit. But yeah, he, he gives me Jay Crowder vibes, at least with the three ball, because he, he lets it go like he's hot all the time, which I guess you like, right? He's an unconscious shooter. But it's not steady, man. It's he either gives you five or he gives you none. And so let's see if he can get more consistent as his career goes on. But the headline is Cade Cunningham a career night because he hit five threes. They both, Sadiq and Cade, finished with 29 points apiece, both hitting five threes. What else was Cade's stat line? Eight assists, two steals. He was cooking Bogdanovich. Again, with no Rudy there to protect the rim. And I'm, I went through and looked at all his shots. I like how he's finishing. I think he's figuring it out. His, he, he probes. He's got an array of hook shots, floaters, various angles. He plays the glass well for a bigger guy, right? My concern with Cade, ironically, is the same issue that I have with his backcourt mate and Killian Hayes. That low release. Go look it up. Go look at some Cade highlights. Go look at his career night, 29 points. You look at that release. It comes off his mouth. Is that a pause? I don't know if it is or not. But the thing is, it's a lower release. I get he's like 6'7", fine, but he's not that explosive. It's not like he's creating a ton of separation. He was against Bogdanovich, but on a normal night, he's not. And it's not so quick because you may point and say, well, Steph has a lower release, right? But Steph has the quickest release we've ever seen, so it doesn't matter. But some of these guys with the lower release, and it's it takes them a while to get off, it can become problematic. And it just got me to wondering, what if you just put him and Killian both in, in an off-season boot camp program and got them to raise that set point, got them to raise their release point, I should say. I don't know if that's possible. What, they're 19, 20 years old? It would take a lot of dedication. And I've been racking my brain to think of, has this been done before? I, it has to have. If someone, someone can think of a player significantly raised where their release is on their shot over the years, at me because I, I can't think of when I, I know Kawhi's shot had been greatly altered but if I recall San Antonio they got him to shoot it in front of his head he always shot off the top of his head they just moved it to the front of his head pause so yeah I don't know I just I think that that you know that is 
the hangup as far as him really creating his own shot and getting buckets, but he's a complete player. It's not going to be a huge issue um, as far as his overall success, but it may put a cap on his ceiling as far as you just go to get a bucket guy down the stretch when it matters. Thinking about it, I think it's easier to alter the release or the form of a non-shooter. Cade has shot the ball a lot, and he's a good shooter despite what his splits say. So his shooting splits are still pretty miserable. I think he's at 38 and 32%, 84% from the line, but he's figuring it out. He's giving you 15-5-5 and right now as a rookie. But my point is, is Cade has a lot of muscle memory built up with that release. It'd be easier to take a guy like, let's say you took Beef Stew, Isaiah Stewart, and you're like, all right, we're going to teach you a three ball. Now you can kind of start from scratch. That's easier, right? So I'm just curious to see if, if they try to tweak that at some point there in Detroit. You remember about a month ago, I was really harping on Dame Lillard and that abdominal issue. And in fact, I, I, it seemed like I jumped the gun, right? Remember, I was like, yo, Dame, they're going to shut him down. They got to shut him down. I, I read into what was going on, the, the ten, tendinopathy of the abdominal wall. And I was like, that's, that's a spooky type injury. And then like two days later, he was back in the lineup. And I had to kind of walk it back. I was like, my bad, y'all. But from what I understand of that injury, he needed to be shut down. And he's just pushing through, right? And so now they've shut Dame down. And it sounds like maybe for the year. So... You know, I know Dame is a Bay Area legend, and this isn't politically correct. This show isn't politically correct. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I don't think Dame is the sharpest tool in the shed. He's a Hall of Fame talent. He's tough, loyal, maybe to a fault, right? But if you mapped out the timeline of the last two years or so of what he's done, what he said, the choices he's made, he don't seem that bright, man. A, a better way to put it is, I'll put it to you like this. That, that's not fair. That's not fair to say he's not bright. I think he has some real blind spots. I think he has some real blind spots in his personality. And hopefully he can recover from this. Who knows what this does? It looks like Portland, that this, this may be a blessing in disguise because what it's going to do is it's going to force them to hand the keys over to young Anthony Simons and, and rebuild. Send him out. I don't know what it does to his trade value, but the Blazers beat Brooklyn Monday night in Portland. Simon's 23 points on 24 shots. So, you know, not efficient, but 11 assists. Most importantly, though, what I think about Simon's is he has the potential to be a two-way guy. He seems to take much more pride in his defense than that previous backcourt. And, you know, you put him and uh, Nasir Little out there, all of a sudden their perimeter defense is much sturdier than it had been in the past. Now, can they score enough, right? So, you know... I, I, I don't want to come off sounding salty to Dame Prayers. I hope he has a full recovery. It's just kind of one of those I told you so things where I was like, yo, dude, you got to shut this down. What are you doing here? It's not like you're on a contender. So hopefully it hasn't set him back too much. And and this is maybe a uh, a turning point for Dame in his career. He's in his 30s now. And now it's not about being the tough warrior to shoulder everything all through a regular season. Work smarter, not harder, Dame. So hopefully this this is a blessing in disguise for him in the second half of his career. Speaking of, of the Nets and the, another loss for them, I saw Thinking Basketball, my guy, is it Ben Taylor, I believe his name is, podcast and YouTuber. He had just put a video out on, on how bad the Nets defense is. You know, he's a numbers guy. One of the things that he stressed was 
teams, there's this, this stat. Have you heard people talking about the shooting luck? I'm not big on shooting luck, man, because that's, it's so, I, just, I don't like the stat personally. But anyway, the Nets have had a bunch of shooting luck. In other words, teams miss a bunch of open threes against the Nets. And I added him about it. And my point is, is I think that there's an element of Durant, Harden, and now Kyrie, where if you're lacing them up to play and you've got to guard KD or you've got to guard Harden, it's not just physically draining, it's mentally draining as well, the pressure they put on you offensively. And so I don't think it's luck that they're missing open threes. I think it's just part of the deal of dealing with the offensive firepower of Brooklyn, albeit, you know, Ben was quick to point out, well, they don't move offensively yet, but it's still, it's a mental thing. And your focus shifts, right? If you're going in and playing the Nets, what's your focus? Well, we got to slow down Katie. We got to slow down Harden. It's not about your offense. You're not thinking about getting up extra shots. You're thinking about how you're going to stop these two Hall of Fame scores. So that, that was my point with that. Did you see the Kyrie ankle roll incident in that game where... There's a loose ball that goes into the backcourt. Kyrie's going to gather it. Little dives under Kyrie's legs, rolls up under his ankle. I think it scared Kyrie more than it hurt him. He's had some ankle issues. And then after the game, Kyrie basically said, what are you doing? There's no place There's no place in the game for that. Like, what are you doing? And Kyrie is right. There is an unwritten rule. You don't dive at someone's knees, especially from behind. Little says, I have all the respect in the world for Kyrie and I'm not trying to hurt him, but you got to be out of your damn mind. I'm going to do that play every single time. And I understand where Little's coming from as well because he's trying to do whatever it takes to stay in the rotation and hell, stay in the league, right? And so there's two different mindsets. One is from a superstar who is super skilled and he feels like that's totally unnecessary and the other is from a garbage man, a hustle guy that understands that's how he's going to make his living. That's how he's going to stick in the league. I will say this, though. KYP, know your personnel. Understand who Little is as a player. I guarantee you if that was Kyle Lowry, because you saw Kyrie take a little glimpse back. He knew there was pursuit on the ball. If that was Lowry, he knew what was happening, right? I just don't think he was familiar with Little and how he plays. I think he's all right. He, he slightly rolled the ankle. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on overall, I'm on Kyrie's side. Like someone does that to me at LA Fitness, I'm talking shit. You know, it, it's, it's unnecessary. But again, every team at the same time wants one or two of those guys that will make those plays. Moving on to last night, you saw Brandon Ingram with a cold ass game winner against the T-Wolves in New Orleans. Deep three ball. So deep that they really just let him shoot it. I don't think they thought he was going to shoot it from that far. The cold part about it was it was from so far, he let it go, he left it, and he watched it. You know, a lot of a lot of buzzer beaters are, are rushed, contested, difficult shots, and you just, until it drops in the net, you don't know it's going in. He left it, looked at it, watched it, posed, splash, game time. Pelicans, because of this play-in situation, I shouldn't say situation, because of the way these play-in games work, you know, they're right there still. So breathe some life into this Pelicans team that's finally getting healthy. The Wizards beat the Thunder. Giddy's still putting up numbers, man. SGA back in the lineup. The, the Thunder are are decent, man. Not, not that they're winning, but they they put up a fight, right? You got 
Ku's showing up dressed like Neo from The Matrix. He drops 29 on them. But the story is there was a physical altercation between Montrez Harrell and KCP at halftime, the two former Laker teammates. My money is on Montrez is the problem. Everywhere he goes, he seems to have an issue, and then teams are very quick to move off of him. He can be productive. He can be a part of their rotation. He's like, no, 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 we're good. We're good. Listen, bro, you're a role player. I don't know what it was about, right? But KCP seems to be beloved wherever he goes, right? So, again, I I don't know the details of it, but if I had to guess, Montrez Harrell, he just, I I think he's just too big for his britches. I think he thinks he should be more involved than he is on teams. And then Warriors-Memphis. Great game. Great game last night on uh, NBA TV center court. We didn't get that center court camera view, though, did we? Um, did you see Clay? There was a there was a, a steal and a breakaway transition play where Steph hoisted a three and Clay was open on the weak side, and Clay threw a little tantrum. He like stomped his feet and, sw- and swung his arms. Very very out of character for Clay. I- I'll show it to you in today's breakdown. But it got me to thinking how important Draymond is, not just overall for the team but to Steph and Clay's relationship he's the natural scapegoat I think part of the reason Steph and Clay have got along so well over the years is they could always blame Draymond he's the loudest in the room he's the least skilled of the core I'm not saying that this is a conscious thing I don't think they consciously are like hey oh it's Draymond no no, no. I just think it just naturally happens you got the three of them right Draymond's the leader. He's the strongest voice in the locker room. And that pulls Steph and Clay's focus away from each other or over-focusing on each other. Because Draymond didn't play last night and very uncharacteristic from Clay. But at the same time, I think we all understand how overzealous Clay is to just get back scoring and, and feeling like himself. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to hold clay for what he did, right? It was a very brief instance. And again, I'll show it in the breakdown. But again, I think that Draymond is kind of the lubricant pause, if you will, between Steph and clay. Not that like they get, a, they get along anyway, right? They're two great dudes, but I'm just saying we've never, ever in what almost 10 years of playing together, seen any friction between Steph and clay. And I just thought that that, that, that incident kind of triggered that thought process for me of how Draymond helps that relationship stay smooth from a basketball perspective. I think off the court, they, they're just good, right? But I'm just saying they've never had any issues with shot selection or sharing the ball ever, in part because of Draymond. Anyway, there's a lot to talk about in today's breakdown of this Warriors-Memphis game. Young Zaire Williams with the career night, the rotations, and this new rivalry. So be sure to go check that out on my Patreon later this afternoon. This is the Hezzy, brought to you by basketballgods.net. I'm out, y'all.